Hey guys, welcome back to the Woodworking Podcast. My name is Nick, and I can be found at nickferry.com, joined with April Wilkerson of wilkerdoos.com and Jay Bates of jayscustomcreations.com. Howdy, howdy. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Hey, 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 hey boo-boo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're tracking. But Mr. Ranger, sir, I didn't steal no picking a basket. Why is there only one Yogi Bear? Because uh, on the second attempt, they made a boo-boo. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one for the kids. That's Or people who are adults like me and but enjoy kid jokes. <laughs> I'm going to tell my dad that's that. That's pretty funny. So what does everybody got? Go- oh, I, I see, I always jump into that. But uh, I just wanted to take a moment to thank everyone over on the Patreon page. If you guys want to contribute to our Patreon page, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the woodworking podcast. Thank you very much for all your uh, contributions over there. And if you want to contribute on the website, you can go to the woodworkingpodcast.com. And there is a contribute button on the sidebar as well if Patreon isn't your thing. And we do very much appreciate all the support. Definitely. Big high five to all of you. Yes. Podcast high five. Podcast high five. Hey, by the way, I love it. Sometimes on my on my YouTube videos, I'll get a comment. Like this past week, I used my spindle sander. And I didn't mention anything about it. I just said, oh, and I used my spindle sander to clean it up. And I got like three comments saying, hashtag team spindle sander. And I'm like, yes. Love <laughs> these guys. I love people. And then also, I still get the hashtag you should yep. of people. Like somebody will like leave a comment and... I don't, I don't even respond to it because I just kind of roll my eyes. But then somebody else will come in and say, hashtag you should. And they just leave it at that. And I'm like, ooh, <laughs> love it. <laughs> yep. We, we got to come up with a couple more like that. Yeah. They'll but come anyways, in time. If, Let's if not you've force left a comment like that, I, I love you guys. <laughs> what, Jay? I said they'll come in time. Let's not force it. Organic is best. Yes. No, no. That, if the tenon doesn't fit, you just get a bigger hammer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Yep. Hey, um, but honestly, I have been using my spindle sander more and yep, just really coming in handy. Jay, I'm, I'm drifting further and further away from you. Oh gosh, oh gosh, oh gosh. Mine is just not convenient. It, it, not only is it not convenient, but then I got to get out the, the shop back for it because it's not hooked up and I'm not going to run without dust collection. And then it's a crappy one at that. So... Hashtag not spent team spindle sander. <laughs> Talk about force and a hashtag. <laughs> yeah, Jay, that was actually really bad. Don't if you're listening, don't use that hashtag. <laughs> hashtag spindle sander suck. <laughs> no one's all right. What do you guys got going on? I uh, I was just telling Jay before we started recording that my uh, my gas powered heater in the shop went out yesterday. No. Yeah, I and I went out there and I'm like, wow, why is it, you know, cold in here? And uh, it's Wisconsin. Yeah, and then I, you know, realized that it, it was just the fan was just blowing. It wouldn't fire the. So, anyways, my buddy who's in uh, HVAC uh, came over to you know kind of look at it, and by the time he got over here, it worked. Huh. So, and which I'd rather if something been broken on it because now the problem's intermittent mm-hmm. and. But thanks for coming over, Joe. And watch, it's gonna be—it's gonna wait until it's negative fifteen to crap out again. Yeah, and that's—that's that's been the the you know par for the course lately. It's uh, the mini split. I've I've pretty much shut off the last week and a half, two weeks because it's always been below zero, and that's just kind of been limiting time out in the shop because now I'm kind of spoiled to 
not have to hear the gas powered one is super loud but I've been I'm not not a lot of shop time lately I wish I would have been getting more but man when it was I think the wind chill the other day was like negative 24 that is nuts we had like we had the, the typical southern winter storm blow through where the, where the weatherman said there is a small percentage uh, or a small chance of flurries and then everybody you know get the milk and the bread get the milk and the bread and the entire Raid the store s- yeah, yeah, get yeah. all the water fill the bathtub <laughs> yeah and then like the entire south shuts down like uh th- th- we had we were expecting some snow uh just flurries later on that night well my wife's work let everybody out at noon and yeah. we, ne- we didn't get anything. Now, now south of us, near like Jackson, Mississippi, uh, they actually got it pretty, pretty good, uh, got a pretty good bit. And north of us in Tennessee got a pretty good bit. But north Mississippi, where I'm at, uh, Starkville to the Tennessee line, pretty much nothing. Absolutely nothing. Everything was shut down. And, uh, but, it, but it did get cold for us. We had, I think it was like 36 hours being below freezing, which is cold mm. for us, you know? It was pretty cold here. I mean, we we actually had a, it sounds like a little bit worse than you, but I mean, it was fine. But but same thing. Um, we actually had the snow sticking to the ground and, to, and it coated it well enough that you couldn't see the grass. But I mean, still, it was only like maybe half an inch. But yeah, all of the work let out because... Of course, being self-employed, I'm like, oh, it's a snow day. Let's uh, go watch Rogue One. And so we're like driving into town to go to the movie theater. And the entire, the other side of the highway where everybody's coming out of town is completely jammed uh, because everybody's just being left, let off work because, of course, nobody can drive in half inch snow. <laughs> <laughs> well, so they're like, oh, you better go home before it gets really bad. <laughs> I understand. It's, it's funny because I, I grew up in Michigan. So watching this, this like overreaction over you know just a little bit of snow it, it, i think it's it's funny but i totally understand it because it's just not prepared no one's prepared for it around here yeah well and more than that i mean people really do suck like it, it starts to get a half inch of snow and there are crashes every 10 feet off the highway people are like turned around backwards in the ditch on the highway it's like how does that happen there's not even ice yet people you know so i mean it, it definitely is called for but it's it is comical too many people putting her in the pickers I don't know what that. What are you talking about? <laughs> when you when you go off the road and you end up in a ditch, you're putting her in the pickers. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'm missing something or if I'm just too dense. <laughs> no, it's just it's just a saying around here, like Wisconsin slang, I guess. Putting her in the pickers. Okay. Yeah, like you know, pr- prickly bushes, the pickers. Oh, putting her the in the pickers. Yeah, putting her in the pickers. I got it. And her being the car. Gosh. <laughs> I don't like that joke. I don't like jokes like, oh, let's tell another yogi joke. <laughs> what do you, it has nothing to do with a female being in no, the car. No, I get it. I'm just, I didn't like it because I just, I had to like, I don't get it. <laughs> but I get it now. I get it now. So now you like it now. Um, no, because it took me too long and it just takes out the fun. And if it takes out the fun, then what's the point? Yeah, some people just don't know how to tell a joke. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Nick, it looks like you're making some really good headway with the office. So not in the shop, but you're getting on that office or what? Yeah, um, it was just the last podcast. I mean, it was echoey as can be, and uh, so I figured I'd get up some acoustic panels and try. And I'm not even maybe a quarter of the way done, but it, it already sounds better. I think. Yeah, it sounds great. So, are those actually interwoven with one another, or are they tiles that you they're just t- alternate? Yeah, they're they're tiles. You yeah. just alternate them. Cool. And are they? Yeah. How how are you adhering them to the wall? Uh, hot glue. Oh, good. 
So you, yeah. you can rip them off if y'all oversell the house and it doesn't leave any damage. Yeah, yeah. Neat. Does it melt the foam? Um, not really. It's a low temp heat gun or a low temp glue gun. Very good. So yeah, it's I'm making progress slowly but surely. I see you got your level, even though it's just foam. You're doing it the right way. Well, yeah, you got to make sure it's straight. <laughs> it looks good. It really does. Jay, what do you got going on? Uh, nothing. <laughs> because, because you want to tell everybody why? No, yeah. So last, uh, I think it was the 29th of December. I had nose surgery, and I'm you still got a as, nose job. I got a nose job. I'm still as ugly as I was before. Um, I'm, I can just breathe better while being ugly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I had a deviated septum from growing up, and that's what I just thought was normal for the longest time. Caused a bunch of sinus problems. Finally, go to the doctor, get it checked out. This was last summer. Scheduled surgery. Surgery finally happened December 29th. And, you know, it's surgery, so it's just uh, inconvenience, whatever. I wasn't any, like, incruciating pain or anything. Um, but the f <laughs> it was more annoying than anything. They put the breathing tube down your throat during surgery, and that caused me to lose my voice, and that was, that was kind of crappy. And then um, from surgery up until day seven, which was the first post-op appointment, they ha I had splints in my nose, which is... For lack of a better term, it's it's a four and a half inch long plastic booger that you're not allowed to pick, and uh, it, it was just really aggravating and irritating. But anyway, all that's taken out now. I can breathe through my nose finally. It is absolutely amazing. And I was telling April, like if if anybody out there has glasses, do you guys remember that very first time you put glasses on for the you know, for the very first time and you, you noticed like wow, I can see. It's like that amazing feeling. And it was the exact same thing when I took a deep breath through my nose for the first time after they pulled the splints out. It's just, oh, it's, it's, it's life-changing. It's awesome. So if you guys are in the, a similar situation to where you are possibly contemplating getting a surgery because of an air obstruction or sinuses or something like that, I could not recommend it enough. Like unbelievable 10 million thumbs up. And that's the condensed version. I made a 20-minute vlog video going through the entire experience with some kind of embarrassing moments on my vlog channel so if you're interested in more on that regard uh check it out on my second channel but also in the which meantime which is j bates 2 which is j bates 2 i made j bates for you yeah well there you go that uh that channel is doing pretty good actually i'm quite i'm pleasantly surprised at how many people are interested in hearing some weird dude talk to a camera i think you're personable and I, not more than that. I think you have interesting things to say. Well, thank you. Um, so Doc said that I have to stay away from sawdust for, I, I don't remember if it was four to six weeks or six to eight weeks. Uh, regardless, Ooh, it's, that's it's, kind of a difference. Yeah, I know. I got a, I got another appointment Thursday. So I guess by the time that this podcast publishes, I've already found out for sure and confirmed that. But anyway, day like day two through day seven after the surgery i would like put a towel over my uh, over my face run out into the shop turn the dust collector on with a timer for two hours because i previously upgraded the filter in my dust collector to a hepa filter like last year or so two years ago when i realized that you know like the sinus issues was going on so i i cleaned out the ambient air quite well as i think anyway and then Monday went out there with a light duty mask on and really did like a top to bottom cleaning with the dust collector which like I said has HEPA filtration and just cleaned it up as, as good as I can get it 
and now I go out there and I don't smell sawdust. So hopefully that's that's acceptable for right now. Um, but I'm not going to like, you know, take my computer out there and chill for a couple hours. M my objective is to get the shop in an environment to where I can still go out there and record a non woodworking video and then come back in real quick, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, not being out in the shop for 68 weeks, man, that'd be rough. 68 <laughs> weeks, yeah. If it was only 65, that would be a little different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be rough. But like what you said, you can you can do some other things or um, with some other medians. Um, I'm actually going to be, I was thinking about this yesterday. So in my house, I think that Cody and I are going to look into selling our house. And so just like repainting and uh, doing, doing the simple things like changing out doorknobs and, and light fixtures first. And all of the doorknobs in this house, it was built in 78, but all of them are solid brass. And so I, I took, I stripped them all and put on the, the prettier ones, but cheaper ones, uh, made out of whatever. And they look bronze, but I, I kept all of those brass ones and I want to look into a way to melt it down and then make I've been wanting like to make a necklace or a keychain, maybe probably a necklace, but of an, of an ax, like of, of a splitting ax. And I want to make the handle out of brass. And so I found these brass knobs and I'm like, cool, I'm going to look into melting them down and using this from this old house, which is of course our first house and where I discovered that I wanted to be a woodworker and a maker. And, you know, I've done all these projects and then melt it down and then reform it into a handle. Um, anyways, and so the only reason that I brought that up is because um, there's no wood involved, of course. It's just a completely different median, but it's still making. So, yeah, maybe you can try some different stuff, Jay. Yeah. Fun um, li fun little fact. Why why do they hit make, uh, like, doorknobs and handrails and stuff out of brass? Uh, I have no idea. Maybe it was cheaper in the old days? Brass is antimicrobial. Oh. So in public spaces, they have all the brass handrails and stuff. It, it limits germs. Interesting. So, what, what, what? I mean, it's just not porous or... What, what, Just why? the metallurgy of it is not a, a good home for, you know, germs and stuff. Interesting. That's interesting. I've never known that. There you go. I'm full of useless. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, though. <coughs> Excuse me. I muted myself when I coughed. Yeah, you're really disciplined. I do it, too. <laughs> I, I just got over a massive cough. Actually, I still cough every once in a while, but I've been sick for like two weeks. It's been the stupidest thing. But I'm just now getting over it. But I did the same thing. I mute myself when I cough. Have respect <laughs> for the podcast, Jay. <laughs> Hashtag you should. I was Hashtag totally going to edit all of that out, my cough and everything. But since you guys brought it up, I guess I have to leave it in. <laughs> that way everybody knows that you're not, yeah. oh, you were going to edit it out. So now I well. look like, yeah, yeah, yeah. See? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Had, I had my bases covered. We're turning the tables. <laughs> so what kind of projects you guys got coming up? Um... I, so I, I like to throw knives and in my shop, I typically just throw it at my bathroom door and I'm just beating up the door to mush pretty much. It's not mush yet, but it can slowly turn into mush. So I decided to make an actual throwing knife target so that I can hang it across my shop and throw it. Like, it's like a, an end grain? Yep. It's going to be just essentially just a huge end grain board. And what I, what I was thinking about doing is putting a French cleat on the back so that I could hang it in my shop across the way and do target practice inside if I want, but then also make a freestanding stand, freestanding stand, um, outside so that I could then take it outside and either get longer distance or if it's just a pretty day and I want to be outside, then I can either do it in or out. 
probably also that that brass project, figuring out how to melt down brass. Do you, either one of y'all have any knowledge on melting down brass? Get some big matches. <laughs> have you seen uh, the King of Randoms YouTube channel, Grant Thompson? Mm-hmm. The King of Random has a video on making a personal forge, a little metal foundry, and he uses it for aluminum. I don't know what the difference would be for brass if, you, if it requires a little bit more heat. Probably does, just thinking about it. Um, but you might be able to, it, it might be enough to be able to me- melt uh, brass. I'll post a link in the show notes for this, this podcast regardless. Um, but yeah, you can make your own. You just, got to, just have to have a heat source hot enough to melt it and and the cool thing about the the king of randoms grant thompson's he made it out of like a a flower pot bucket looking thing so you can put a like a fake plant in the top of it when you're done and it just looks like it's a piece of decor you know nice i like that i know uh douglas with retro weld made his own forge as well yeah when i was at braxton's we made a aluminum play button and we used uh, his buddy's forge it was yeah it's fun stuff but yeah brass i think you gotta get quite a bit hotter hmm well, if I can't do it myself, then there's tons of metal working around these parts. So I, I bet I could find somebody with a well-set-up forge that would maybe be open to at least melting it for me. What about you guys? What do y'all got going on or coming up? I'm Since I'm not going to be in the shop making sawdust, I'm trying to plan a bunch of stuff. Um, I've got a lot of uh, tool talk videos and, and shop tour kind of stuff. Oh, I went to Jason Barlow's shop. Uh, so a good friend of mine, Sean Stone lives in the next city over and, uh, his good friend, Jason Barlow, uh, which he's the guy who took us to the, uh, air force base when Nick was here. Remember that? Um, anyway, we did a shop tour video in his place, which is the first time that I've done a, like a handheld conversation type video with the new camera. So it was a great test of the autofocus, great test of the low light. And, uh, I'm very pleased with it. Shot it in 4k. And uh, it, it just, just turned out really well. And then also Jason and Sean are, are a bunch of goofballs. So was, the, the whole shop tour is, is full of laughter, which is cool. Um, so I'm, I'm doing stuff like that on the side to kind of still have content for the second channel. And then also I have some previous shop um, tool talk stuff that I've recorded and will publish eventually when I get around to editing them. Um, but that leads me to SketchUp work. So I've been doing some... Uh, planning of old projects that people have requested plans for. And then also, I think the next project is going to be a new set of tables for my living room. Uh, Coffee table and two end tables. Maybe a matching uh, sofa table, I'm not sure. But the thing is, uh, I'm not exactly decided on the coffee table aspect of it because I want a simple, I guess, mission-style coffee table that you can see the floor below it because we have a nice rug in, in the, the living room and I want to be able to see the rug. I don't want this big box covering it up. But I think we're going to end up going with something a little bit along the lines of blanket chest style. My, my wife just wants more storage. And I think the compromise to that is to not make another blanket chest because if I do, that'll be like the eighth blanket chest video on my channel. All of them She really likes blanket chests. They're great gifts, and every one of them has been different so far that I've made, but I just don't know if I want another blanket chest in my living room because if you we have a couple centerpieces on our coffee table, and anytime you got to get inside it, you got to take all that crap off. So I think the compromise is to make a piece of furniture that looks like a blanket chest, 
but on the front is four drawers and on the back is four drawers. So it'll be like eight good sized drawers that look like a blanket chest. Sounds awesome, dude. Did you already say what you were thinking about making them out of? Uh, so this is these tables are going to be made out of hickory because the dining table that I made is out of hickory. And that project for my wife was like the the last straw of the pine projects. She likes the hickory so much that she was like, you know, no more, no more pine. This, this I like this. It's beautiful. She has good taste. That hickory is lovely. So I, I really like accenting the the transition between the sapwood and heartwood of hickory because like of course the heartwood is more of a uh, brown light purple hue to it you know the stuff i've got anyway and then the sapwood is just like pure white it looks like uh almost like white oak Uh, so i like highlighting that that transition but also any little minor details walnut and hickory is just a fantastic combination uh the walnut trim i put on the the dining tables is just, it just makes it, you know, it's just that little subtle line of, of trim that just really, really makes it in my opinion. And that's something I need to put on my second channel is a follow up of the dining table. I didn't, I don't think I ever showed the benches. I got the two matching benches completed for it too. So it's a dining table and two full length benches. And man, we just love it. We, we absolutely yeah, I've love only it. seen the benches on Instagram, but yeah, the, all of the upcoming living room stuff, Looks like it's going to be out of hickory. I've already uh, got a slab of hickory from Sean Stone. I I got a three-inch thick slab to make all of the table legs and bench legs out of from Sean Stone, and he had some extra, so uh, we I got another slab from him for the uh, living room stuff. So I'm excited to get it going, but I'm going to also use the downtime of no sawdust to hopefully have like 100% everything planned out and just ready to rock and roll rock and roll right when I get back in there you know it's funny because we're we're kind of doing similar things I uh with it being cold out there and all that and just I don't know I've been in here and I wanted to feel productive so I figured with that coffee table I, I figured I'd try and make plans for it but I'm not proficient with that it's time wise nearly as much as you are it takes me Oh man, like 40 hours to make plans. Well, even so making plans, like that's the core of my business is plan sales. Um, so if you'd like to help a plan sales, great. Um, but anyway, plans is like, it's the most boring thing to do in my business. Mm-hmm. Like actually designing something in SketchUp and, or taking the design and SketchUp and converting it into a plan that process, that's just so boring. I agree. I wish somebody would come along and scoop up all of the YouTubers who are interested in making plans and be like, give me your model. I'll break it down into plans for you. Because, I mean, I would never give up the modeling portion just because it's now how I plan out things and make the modifications and changes as I'm designing. But once I'm done designing it and I want to go to the shop, I would love to just pass it off to somebody and say, here, break these down into a set of plans for me. So if you're listening and that's a skill of yours, <laughs> contact all three of us. <laughs> we'll give you a list of all the other YouTubers. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I agree with what you're saying to a certain extent. I, I, I think like the, uh, the part of me that would want like creative control of the, the instruction process would still, mm-hmm. still not want to pass that up, pass that off. But, but yeah, I totally understand. Like some, some projects it's just like, Gosh, I don't want to do the plans on here. It's so, it's like mind numbing, you know? Yeah. 
I just got done doing the ones for the freestanding pantry I built, and it was the same way. I spent two days on them, and I was just like full two days, and I was just so ready to be done with it and hating every moment of it. Um, but whenever you talk about creative control, I um, I, w- I look at it as more of like a foundation, like get ninety percent of it done, the layout of the page, the uh, the the image angle. Uh, set and just the generic maybe like overview of the step and then I can come back in there and instead of spending two days on it I can spend an hour to two hours tweaking and peaking maybe the burbage or maybe maybe a slight angle or you know what I mean but I mean it it drastically would reduce if you can if somebody could just like lay the foundation yeah I didn't I didn't think of it that way set up a template for you yeah or like like because I wouldn't want my plans to look like your plans or whatever like um, or for for if somebody did handle all three of our accounts just as a, a hypothetical, you know, like still uh, this is the way that I want it, but then I can come back in and and make the changes myself. But if somebody could do ninety percent of the work, then and and take it down from two days to two hours, ooh, heck yeah, I would pay somebody to do that. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. There you go, folks. Hey, boo-boo. Hey, (laughs) boo-boo. You guys want to get into some questions? Hey, real quick, yes. Um, But your wife, Nick, Stacy, texted me yesterday saying, hey, April, the pack's coming after you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, because I guess Green Bay won their game. But I was just so, I was dying laughing that she was talking crap to me about football. (laughs) Is, Is that... Do we, does the Packers play Dallas next? Is that the yeah. um? Okay, they do. Oh, okay. I thought it was the next game, but yeah. We should do a bet. Okay, what what bet? I like to bet. I don't know. I don't know who's who's supposed to win. Oh, who's we are? We are oh. seeded number one right now. I, so hello. Well, seeds are meant to not germinate. You want you want me to uh, tell you our record right now? What's your record? What's the, what's the Pack's record? It's terrible. Okay. I, I, I'm surprised we're in the playoffs. <laughs> Hold on. Let me move my camera away from that lion's hat in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, I can't tell you how much I enjoy talking crap about, about the Lions game. What are we, Okay, what are we going to bet? I, we got to bet something. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm not really good at coming up with bets. I just enjoy gambling. <laughs> like or like like making wagers you know what i mean like I, I typically me and my mom always make bets but it's for stupid stuff like you buy you buy me a coke you know because i just like the whole like who's gonna win and who's gonna eat it yeah it makes it more interesting i don't know what we would bet um let's see here we should bet like a small woodworking project or something okay Okay, I came up with the first part. You have to come up with the second part. I'm bad about thinking on the spot. We'll think about it and then talk about when's, it later. Yeah, when's the game? Sunday? I don't know if they play on Thursday or Sunday. Here's the here's the deal. We're recording this on a Tuesday. So by the time this airs on Friday, be sure to check their both Nick and April's Instagram feed to figure out what the bet is. There we go. There you go. Perfect. Jay's the smartest one of the three. Yeah. Hey, boo-boo. Hey, I'm, hey, I'm keeping that little sound snippet you just said right there. <laughs> On on repeat, anytime you want to use it. Yeah, yeah. Keep in mind, I I edit these podcasts, so I, I got that. I'm gonna tag that one. It's gonna become like your Mario sound effect, where you just hit a button and it yeah. says, "Jay's the smartest of the three of us." <laughs> oh, all right. Okay. Questions. I'm sorry. I'm always like deviating uh, from no, these that's questions. No, that's all right. That's funny. She didn't tell me that. I, I find that funny. No, I, I thought it was she, hilarious. She follows football more than I do. In fact, the, the last, you know, the playoff game, I fell asleep in the beginning of the third quarter. So, 
Alrighty, righty uh, Andrew Lynch has a question on project workflow. He said he often finds himself doing steps out of order when working on a project. What uh, project planning process, or how, what is your project planning process and how has it evolved over time? He's looking to maximize his time. Um, I instantly think of SketchUp beforehand. Uh, any, any type of, uh, what is it, what the saying, like an ounce of preparation is worth a pound of cure? Um, anytime you can get, you know, the project plans, project planned out on paper beforehand, then all you have to do is be disciplined to follow the list on paper. Um, and also something that helps me with creating plans and also in turn helps me in the shop is once I have the model done in SketchUp, I reverse engineer it and hide each piece in the reverse order of assembly and create a new scene. That way I can go through my scenes and each time a new piece is added. And it, and you can really dial in, um, like, you get to a point where it's like, oh wait, well I can't just hide this part because it's part of a sub-assembly, so that means I need to create that sub-assembly before I get to this step. So, while I, you know, I understand SketchUp isn't for everybody and it may sound like that's more work on the front end to um, plan stuff out especially if it's just for hobby stuff you're just getting out in the shop but at the same time if you do have some sp spare time in your schedule that is not applicable to shop time then you know planning what you do in the shop will always benefit you yeah i i agree with that if somebody's like has an office job and, and you know they sit at their computer for like 45 minutes for lunch that'd be a perfect time to bust open sketchup and and that way you get more, you know, but I'm the direct opposite. I, I don't like to plan it on SketchUp. Um, I like to just go out and kind of start putting boards together. But when it comes to efficiency and, and workflow for me, I'm always working towards a glue up. And like if I like the coffee table I'm working on, I want to work to getting that top glued and then that can go aside. Then I can mill like the, the legs and the, the aprons and stuff or work to a finishing step. So try and get, you know. To where you're not, I don't know, to where you, you can glue up in stages. Say glue up the top on Monday and then glue up the legs on Tuesday. So that you, you got more clamps and you're not waiting for glue to dry every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did. The, I do the same thing. Uh, before using SketchUp, um, I would do the same thing, kind of what, what Nick is saying, that I would just start putting boards together. And unfortunately, I guess I don't have any great advice on that. But yeah, using SketchUp, if you know how to model, drastically reduces your... Um, it, it, it just makes you more efficient in the shop because as you're building it in the, or as I'm building it in SketchUp, I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to be joining these boards together? Okay, that doesn't work, so I'm going to move them around this way. That works, moving on to the next step. And, and as I'm putting it together, I'm thinking about how everything is actually going to be assembled. But then if you, if you don't use SketchUp and you can draw like in 3D with a pen, pen and paper, or even if you can't do that, maybe get like a, because I can't draw, but I would get, before using SketchUp, I would draw a rough sketch and then just think to myself, okay, I'm going to be pocket holing these here. So that means that I have to do this first. But then also on what Nick is saying, I, I also work that way to where I'm thinking to myself, okay, I want to get the body of the pantry built and painted. And then as that, that paint is drying, I'm going to be building the drawers. Then as that paint's drying, I'm going to move back to the body and be installing the sliders so that whenever the drawers are done drying, I can then install everything. So I'm constantly thinking about where the where the the pauses, like what Nick has said, the glue ups, waiting for paint to dry, things like that. And then what can you be doing on the project 
while all of that all that downtime time is happening and it and it is convenient if you if it coincides with the end of your shop day to where it can be either drying overnight or whatnot but if that's not the case then try to be thinking about what else you could do on the project to be moving it forward while that's drying yeah i always try to finish well finish the day with finish that way you know and and i've you know i've been notorious for staying up late to let the finish so that i at least get to the finish part I don't want to call it a, a night at 10 p.m. if I only have an hour more until I can put finish on. I'd rather go to bed at 11.30. The finish is on there. That way, when I'm sleeping, it's drying. Yeah. Um, so also, like, like, like I said, I, I understand not everybody is fond of SketchUp, and that's fine. But in my day-to-day -day routine, not necessarily making something in the shop, but how I plan my days is a simple four or five point list of things that I have to do the day. And I make lists constantly. So if you can make a list of all of your steps that you think that you'll have to go through on your project, then you just be disciplined and follow, follow the list, you know? I gotta, I gotta write that down. Uh, make lists. <laughs> yeah. I... Put it on your, st your sticky pad list to make lists. <laughs> That was funny because uh, Jay saw that I, I draw on my laptop computer because it's it's the like the finish is just perfect for drawing with a pencil on there. Yeah, it's so a, it's a, that's where my lists reside. That would drive me nuts. It drives me nuts, and it's not even my computer. <laughs> 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 All right, next one is actually from this was from SoundCloud on uh, TWP twenty seven. Left a comment there. Um, question for Nick on the next podcast. What did you decide to add a, what did you decide to do? Add a 220 volt circuit or a sub panel and how did you do it? Um, I, so far I haven't done anything yet. And the reason for that is my friend who's the electrician, um, He's going to be helping me out, basically doing most of the work, actually. But with it what being... Is, what is this electrical upgrade for? I'm sorry to jump in. What is this for? Oh, for, um, for the, you know, just more circuits in the shop. And, gotcha. Um, I got the, the welder. I want to do a 220-volt 50-amp run for that. And I was adding a couple more lights and popping a breaker every so often. So I wanted, like, another lighting circuit. Gotcha. But quite a few more circuits. And uh, my buddy that's going to help me out... Uh, who's an electrician, he's going to have to be up in the attic quite a bit. And with it, you know, negative five ambient outside, that's about what the attic is. It's not much warmer. So I, I held off on doing the electrical until we see a little bit more warm weather because we typically, him and I barter, and I don't want to be making him crawl around in, you know, in a negative five degree attic or, you know. Yeah, it makes sense. But I think, I think I'm going to go with just adding, running circuits because I don't, really have a good spot for a sub panel um i i rarely ever like to put in like 100 amp sub panels you know so but do you have extra uh, circuits at your house sub panel uh, that, well that's that's yeah i do because that's my thing i i threw in a sub panel in the basement years ago and it's a just a regular size panel it's a 200 amp panel gotcha so it's i'm sure i have like i don't know like 20 openings well, there's the update for that. Um, there you go. There you go. Blaze Morin asks, what's the tool you expect or demand the most precision from? That's easy for me. Table saw. Table saw, definitely. Carpenter pencil. I mean, 
carpenter pencil. Oh, no. That'd be a mar- you want precision, you got to go with a marking knife. No. Oh, yeah. A marking knife or a mechanical pencil. I can't stand carpenter's pencils. They, the line's just not where I need it to be. So you have to like compensate for the thickness of the lead and the dullness, and it dulls so quickly. Sharpen on one side only, and then then you have a flat spot on one side of the the uh, the lead, and then it tapers to a point. I don't like your smartness, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw the carpenter's pincers away. No, that's actually a really good idea. So you use a what a pocket knife. Yeah, I I threw away all my pencil sharpeners. Those stupid things clog up, and you go to the dollar store and get another one because you think that's going to last a while, and it's just like pencil sharpeners suck. Just bottom line, unless you buy an expensive electric one. I just no. use my pocket knife now. Use the old school one. You can you can find them, and you you mount them to the wall just like in old school uh, classrooms. You know. Yeah, but I haven't found one just yet. My pocket knife's always in my pocket. Hey, I I agree. You can never go wrong with a pocket knife. But I don't think I ever answered the question. I'd say um, <laughs> the tool you expect slash demand the most precision from, uh, twofold. In the shop, obviously, I want to say table saw. But outside of that, SketchUp, that's one of the advantages of it is the precision that you get with designing and accuracy. Yeah, I would say table saw all the way just because, and especially the, the ruler, just being able to have a nicer fence to where you move it over to 13 and you know 5 sixteenths and know that that's the actual size you'd be cutting. Yeah, you don't have to that, measure that, it. Yeah, that, you know. But, yeah, ripping, cross-cutting, angles, bevels, anything. I mean, because the table saw is my foundation of my shop, so I would expect the most. I mean, bandsaw, you know, I don't think anyone would ever answer bandsaw, really. Um, oh, I no. think this could... This could be a trick question because the jointer has to be dead spot on accurate or it's pretty much not useful. What's useful about a you table think, saw that's not spot on? You think that Blaze was trying to trick us? I think that he was. Well, as far as like a table saw that's not spot on, that's like a lot of contractor saws that you can still get by with. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, get by, but it's not as precise. Like if you're doing construction, as, you know, but like yeah. if you're actually doing woodworking... Yeah, I, th- I mean, I'm 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 fairly certain the guys that built my house must have been half blind because 16 uncentered is not in their vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> Nail holes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I was making something out of nothing there. Ooh, you know, another one is a speed square. Speed squares that aren't accurate is pretty frustrating. When have you ever found a speed square not accurate? I'm sorry. Um, um, um I think I'm using the wrong term. Not a speed square. A um. Combination square? Just for the audience, April is holding up her index <laughs> finger and her thumb to a 90 degree. I'm doing a loser sign. I don't know what's wrong with my brain. Um, Combination no, I, square? No, I'm online. No, a speed square. Yeah. If you if you um, do the edge of it up against it and it's not 90 and it, and it goes up at like a 92 degrees or, you know, an 87. And then because you can do that test where you do the speed square up against something, draw the line, then flip it over and draw another line and they're not actually matching. Yeah, they're not parallel. But you can true up a speed square really quickly on a table saw with a crosscut sled. If you have a plastic one. Just by shaving it off? If you have a plastic one. Yeah. Yeah, notation. (laughs) (laughs) Don't blame Jay if you trip your saw stop. Well, you could um, also use... You could trim it up, trim up aluminum one very carefully. You yeah. could, and in bypass mode. 
That's one of the things that when, when I did my table saw sled video and I was cutting aluminum with my regular carbide blade, I had quite a few people say, isn't that going to wreck your blade? Or, I mean, that's, that's how the you know, window and door industry cuts extrusions. That's, carbide is much, much harder. You know? Obviously, it shortens the life, you know, but wood dulls your blade. So does aluminum. Yeah. Not only that, but the, the tools there to, to be used. And if you need it to be used to cut aluminum, then you that's what you use it for, in my yeah. opinion. That's what it, yeah. that's the way I look at my tools. It's like, yeah, it might you know, I'm not I'm not uh, what's the word, like just beating it all to hell, but like I am using my tools to do what I need them to do. Like you wanna take hot the dogs. next question in April? Yeah, I will. I'm really bad at reading. I yeah, I didn't <laughs> want you to I didn't want to read that name, so Oh, man. Why do you give me the hard name? Oh, can I just say Eduardo? You could if that was his first name. What is it? Eduardo. 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 Azaretto. Eduardo Azaretto. Yes. Do you clean... Know. Wants to know. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. <laughs> do you clean tools and especially finish brushes after project? If no, how often do you do this? If yes, how do you do that? From Brazil. So do y'all do y'all clean tools? That's a loaded question. There's a lot there. Cleaning tools um, and brushes. Uh, my cleanup process is typically to get the project done and then get out of the shop and then wait until the I'm about to start the next sh the project and then right before the next project begins, I do a complete tool cl uh, shop cleanup. But that's not like you know a full blown tool maintenance or anything but you know just cleaning up dust and such and such and then brushes uh it totally depends on the finish if, if i'm just using like a little cheap chip brush to slap some finish on something that really doesn't matter then um i'll be more inclined to like just not go through the hassle and and toss it but if you're using like a, a good nice long lasting uh purdy brand brush then yeah, clean it immediately. And just about every finish out there, um, there's a way to clean up the, the the finish quite well. So yeah, I rarely use brushes with finish, I, like with clear coat polyurethane lacquer um, stuff like that. But when it comes to paint, a nice tip to um, try and keep your brushes cleaner is wet the brush before you dip it in the paint, and that way it makes it a little bit easier to clean. But that and just don't let it dry on there for too long. And when it comes to com cleaning tools made me think I knew a guy that owned a crime scene cleanup business and he was always cleaning his tools because it was just like biohazard stuff. It just made me think of that. Interesting. I once saw on Dirty Jobs that old show with, I forgot that guy's name, but he was Mike wonderful. Rowe. Mike Rowe. Mike Rowe. Yeah, with Mike Rowe. They did a, uh, an episode with somebody who had like a crime scene or um, somebody who maybe like passed away in their home. Yeah, but crime scene cleanup. So that's really interesting that you know somebody that does that line of work. That's that, that that takes some thick skin, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. I would not 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 for me. I wouldn't be able to do that in a million years. But no way. But um, cleaning, I, I'm I'm so bad about just chunking my my brushes, like chip brushes, especially after any sort of finish. I because I just hate taking the time to clean them out. I do have a few purdy brushes that of course I, I take care of, but like even rollers, I use the the nap once and there I will not clean out a roller and spend the time on it. I just throw it away and buy a new one. I remember back when I had my maintenance job, I used to paint apartments so much and I got so good at cleaning out rollers. I could get uh I could get like six or seven uses out of one roller. 
Wow. And uh, yeah, I don't miss those days. I really don't. Mm. Um, I'm currently painting my house, and I don't blame you. When it, well, one thing to add on the cleaning, I'm pretty adamant about having a, a bench brush around. So if it's table saw or joiner, router table, I always like to brush it off quick before I start on anything. That, that I'm pretty religious about. So that counts for cleaning tools. So how often do you guys clean like, uh, you know, the cast iron surfaces and, and, and the working surfaces of your tools, like actually clean the metal, not like brush it off, but actually clean it? I only I clean my table saw. Oh, sorry, Nick, go ahead. I was just, I just say I only do it once a year or so. I'd probably do it twice or three times a year, pretty much any time that I just want to be in the shop and not really, I want to be doing something, but not, nothing that takes a lot of thought. Um, yeah, I'll go out there and maybe clean my cast iron top or if something has gotten on it, cause I'm notorious about painting or staining or gluing on top of my, uh, table saw, I'll clean it. But yeah, not very often. And I've never cleaned my bandsaw. Really? Yeah. I'm so bad. <laughs> but you know, it, it's not rusty and, and I'm, I'm really, I think spoiled to the climate around here because it's never once shown a sign of rust. So you yeah. know, I guess the the perfect answer to that is how often should you? Well, when it needs it, and everyone's place is different. So, I since I've got my uh, the mini split put in, which it is going on. Has it been two years already? Maybe this is the second winter. I, I, it's been a little while since I put the mini split in, but since then that drastically reduced the amount of uh, the frequency at which I need to have like a rust prevention cleanup on all of my tools simply because it keeps the humidity a little bit more in check. Uh, but that drastically, drastically reduced the amount of the frequency at which I have to do that. Also, doesn't adding paste wax after, after cleaning it help? It, it helps. Um, not a tremendous amount. There was a video we, we previously linked to, and I'll link to it again about rust prevention on tools. Um, and for the vast majority of people, like normal non-humid climates, wax will do a wax will do a, a pretty good job alone. Uh, but if you do live in a really humid climate, like wax is not the end-all, be-all. Like save yourself from rust. It's not that great. I've I've waxed my grizzly table saw previously in this shop, and uh, accidentally left the garage door open. And just the humidity and the and the, the night change, just it was a, it was just completely covered in water and rusty. So, mm. I, I I swear I swear by that T nine bow shield stuff. I absolutely love that stuff. And that's that's kind of one of the reasons I try to keep the shop like when I'm sleeping at like at least forty degrees. That way the temperature swing doesn't create any condensation. But. Yeah, I just, I love that stuff. I apply it probably two or three times a year, if that. And, yeah. All right, well, that's it for this episode of the Woodworking Podcast. Episode, what is this, 29? 29. Uh, anyway, we want to remind you that there's a couple different ways you can stay up to date with the podcast and get notified of any new content. You can go to thewoodworkingpodcast.com, and at the top you'll find a couple of buttons to subscribe on Android, RSS, or on iTunes if you do use iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. We very much appreciate that. And we also very much appreciate those who have already left a review. Uh, thank you very much for all of your feedback there. And if you'd like to contribute, you can go to the woodworkingpodcast.com and there's a contribute button on the sidebar or go to patreon.com slash the woodworking podcast. And all of those 
contributions are very much appreciated and really do help keep this ball rolling. Um, but that's it. Thanks for listening. You guys take care and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye everyone. Ta-ta.